Hi, I'm Carlin Holbrook. I'm a John Maxwell team certified coach, teacher, trainer, speaker, published author, and influencer with more than 25 years of global leadership experience. If there's one thing I've seen firsthand time and time again, it's that the best leaders inspire others to follow their purpose and their passions, while the influence of a bad leader can literally tear down people's potential. Join me for a few sips of leadership tips that will help you become a better leader by first conquering the hardest person to lead, you. I really struggle with any kind of literature that talks about narcissism in a positive way. Like you need to have narcissism in leadership, otherwise you're not a good leader. You have to believe that you have the best ideas and uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was reading, I have a love-hate relationship with Harvard Business Review because sometimes they have really great articles that are thought-provoking and then other times like this one, granted it's a few years old, I hope they've been enlightened since then. It was a whole article talking about how um, narcissism is necessary to be these big personalities, CEOs, or to be these big world leaders. And throughout history, all the best leaders were narcissistic. Of course, also, if you look up narcissism and the most narcissistic leaders in history, you'll find Adolf Hitler was like the number one and Mussolini and Napoleon and others, you know, and it's like, okay, go on and on and on. But I actually think what they're defining, okay, so if you don't know, narcissism is actually uh, Freud coined the term and it, after the mytho- mythical figure Narcissus, who died because of his pathological preoccupation with himself. And um, Freud actually recognized that, well, so there's a, a spectrum to narcissism. There's like kind of normal narcissism, and that sounds weird, I know, but it's like babies, for example. You don't have to teach them to be self-centered. You don't have to teach humans. It's kind of innately in us to be self-absorbed and obsessed we actually have to work hard to not be completely absorbed with ourselves which obviously these days um social media is really promoting a self-absorbed culture and me 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 and look at me Uh, i'll get to that more to that in a minute but um freud recognized because there is also narcissistic personality disorder which is like um in a psychoanalyst um analysis type of way it's like the extreme which can lead to very abusive relationships. In fact, a good friend of mine divorced her husband because he 100% was this type of a person. And those type of people, they seem really charming and they love on you at first and they're all into you. And and then slowly, it's like you don't even realize it's starting to happen. They, they devalue you and they start to use statements like, you know, oh, well, good luck without me. Or actually, I think that would you know, you shouldn't do this or that. And anyway, um, and then eventually either they discard you or you hopefully get help and realize what you're in like my friend did. And, of course, then it just becomes even nastier. Like, well, you, you're you no good without me. It's all about me, basically. It's a me thing. So when Freud talks about the personalities, even though there's so many, there's like three main ones, um, erotic, obsessive, and narcissistic most of us, I guess, again, according to Freud, have some elements of each of these. Um, and But again, I'm going to argue that I wouldn't, to me, I wouldn't define, again, you choose against narcissism, right? If that's innately, we have a very self-absorbed type of um, DNA, if you will, in humanity, 
uh, because, well, we're all fallible. We're all fallen. We're not perfect. That's kind of who we are. Um, but I, anyway, I'm going to give you the definitions of these and we can talk a little bit more. So when he says erotic, it doesn't mean sex. I know people get all, Ooh, that's a scary word. He means that it's the desire for people to love you like obsessive. I mean, like this is almost an obsession point. Like people need to, I need other people to love me. And it's like almost to a codependent or it is to a codependent thing. Um, and ironically, and again, this is in the HBR article, many erotics are actually like teachers, nurses, social workers, like first responders, people who we, we laud is like, oh my gosh, they're the helpers. Um, so this is why I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. You know, the definitions feel a little bit loaded, but at their most productive, they, they are, again, they're developers. They're people who want to help. They want to enable others. They're caring and they're supportive. Um, but a lot of times they do avoid conflict because they want people to be dependent on them. Um, so they tend to be more outer directed people. So that's kind of like the low, low end of the spectrum, if you will, in narcissism. Obsessive in con- obsessives, in contrast, are inner directive, very self-reliant, conscientious. But, and that sounds good, like, oh, Boy Scouts. Um, and they want to maintain order. They are constantly looking for ways to help people listen better, resolve conflict, find win-win opportunities. They buy self-improvement books, you know, but, but it's to an ex- excessive, obsessive type of way that then they believe that it's their way and they have the right answers and nobody else does. And they set super high standards that nobody else can seem to get to. Um, they, they also want to make sure all instructions are followed. Um, and anyway, um, I'm sorry, I'm just still reading a couple. I just want to make sure that unproductive and uncooperative become narrow experts and rule bound bureaucrats. So that's again, the shadow side of these. Now, the third type of nar- is a narcissist. They're very independent, not easily impressed. They're innovators, but they're driven for power and glory. And while it may seem that they could be very productive in their industries, and it does cite that Bill Gates is one of them. I could totally see that. Total narcissist, right? Because, because they have a punishing super ego. And they're aggressively pursuing what they think are the right things. But they don't take long people with them. They, you know, oftentimes they can develop paranoia uh, because they feel like other people are trying to get their ideas, etc. So all in all, narcissism, it's a self-centered personality style characterized by having an excessive preoccupation with oneself, one's own needs, often at the expense of others. So, all right, I gave you the whole academic kind of um, thing about it, but I... I was thinking about this as I scroll through my feeds and my goodness, there are definitely some narcissists in my feed for sure. It's just, I think, and sadly, I do think we're breeding this type of a culture where it's all about me in the photo and look at me and look how cute I am and look at what I'm wearing and look how, you know, what I get to do. And it's funny, I was talking to a friend of mine recently um, who went, who was going on a trip and I'm like, oh, please post photos. And she had said, yeah, I don't, really always feel comfortable doing that because I feel like I'm bragging and I'm like no you're not bragging I love to look at people's travel photos I really do actually I love to look because I always want to like oh I want to go visit there and it's not covety and it's not in an envious way I just think of I think it's fun to see people's pictures and I enjoy seeing where my friends go and family go and and such too but but what I really appreciated about what she said is I'm like 
ah, you're not craving the need to share my life on social to go look at me. It's not about me. And I think that unfortunately we get so out of balance with this now in our culture that because we're rewarding the influencer culture, right? And again, not a, it's not a bad thing if kept in check. It's not a bad thing to put your life out there and share it with your friends and family because, you know, who doesn't like to see other people enjoying themselves? Well, again, narcissists probably don't, right? Narcissists are the ones, I think, that get green with envy or that look at something someone else has and goes, why, doesn't, why don't I have that? Rather than, oh, I'm so happy that you got to go on that trip. That's cool. That's awesome. Travel more. Eat good food. Do it all, you know. it's all. It all goes back to where your heart is. And I think that is what concerns me about just the way you see things in society is people are so all about have and have not and so pointing the fingers and green and envious and everything. And really you're just looking at someone's highlights reel. You're not even looking at their whole life. But then – more and more now you're seeing younger kids being brought up. And really, um, I was reading another article on Duke Health that said mental health experts say the seeds get sowed around narcissism in childhood, that even very well-meaning parents can inadvertently raise a narcissist because you're making them the center. What do you want? What can I make you? Oh, I'll do that for you. And while, again, well-meaning parents trying to do things, You've now kind of created a monster in a way that then has to grow up and be a part of society that goes, well, wait a minute, it's all about me and what I want. And then when you see and look at, you know, what social media has done, it's like, well, yeah, we're kind of breeding narcissistic society, aren't we? Because it's all about me, me, me. Um, There was also something in Duke Health, the symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder. Now, this is when it gets to a place of like, wow, that is strong in this person, you know, the force is strong in this person. Um, They use the acronym special me to remember the nine sides of an NPD is what they call it. So number one is a sense of self-importance. Number two, preoccupation with power, beauty, success. Number three, entitled. Four, can only be around people who are important or special. Hmm. Number five, interpersonally exploitative for their own gain. Six, arrogant. Seven, lack empathy. Eight, must be admired. Nine, envious of others or believe that others are envious of them. I'm just going to pause right there because I really feel like, well, this is a checklist for all the worst leaders on the face of the planet, right? And ironically, This is a checklist that actually describes most of the leaders in big, high-powered positions and politicians, et cetera, world leaders, which makes me sad and scared for this society, right? Like I even think about can only be around people who are important or special. Just pause for a minute too. I see this play out all the time in so many different circles in my life, and it irritates me to no end when, oh, well... I'm a fancy executive, so I'm only going to hang out with the fancy executives. I'm a, I'm, I'm a leader over here. So that it's like, oh, my gosh, when you are with people, you should be hanging out with your team. You should be hanging out with your people, not, oh, we have our own circle, our upper echelon circle up here, and we only talk to each other. It's like, well, you do that all the damn time. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you reach out and talk to other people? It's like, again, that to me is – can only be around people who are important or special. So I'm not going to waste my time with what someone who's unimportant or not special, meaning someone lower than me, maybe. I don't like that at all. I think it's terrible. 
arrogance. Oh, yeah. Lack of empathy. I mean, we talk a lot on this podcast, right, about being an empathetic leader. In order to have empathy, you have to care about other people. So, of course, they lack empathy. And then the, what you just mentioned, envious of others and believe that others are envious of them. It's such, yeah, it is just, it's something that we have just got to really keep in check and be aware of in our own behavior. So, like, I can't control what Bill Gates does. And, I, you know, obviously other leaders throughout history, you can Google and do, do the math yourselves. And I'm sure there are people coming to your mind, maybe in your own circles, that exhibit some of this behavior. But what we can do is check ourselves. And so a few sips for checking on what is considered narcissistic narcissistic behavior and again not an all-inclusive list but I'm going to give you kind of the the top three all right first sip narcissistic that's a fun word to say by the way narcissistic leaders often say that they want teamwork but what they really mean in practice is they want a group of yes men and and people who are going to agree with everything they say do you know anybody like that does that sound familiar I would also say that I think people then decide to be their yes people and don't counter them because, oh, and by the way, if you look up in um, Merriam-Webster's dictionary, uh, by definition, what a narcissist is, and look up synonyms, all the synonyms are ego, ego ego-driven, ego-centered, egocentric. I thought that was interesting because, as you all know, how I feel is ego is the death of um, good leadership. It absolutely is the opposite of good leadership. And I don't care what any article out there says. You need ego to make it make it up higher. You need ego to make it this. You need to be a narcissist to make it there. No, no, you don't. That's not true. I don't care if you're Harvard or Yale or whoever. You think you're so smart, but you're not. And we'll, I'll tell you what you do need in a minute. All right, first, or sorry, second sieve. Narcissists have a distaste for mentoring or being mentored. Well, of course, because lack of empathy means... They don't care about other people. So why would they want to mentor somebody else? Um, And they don't get mentors themselves because they already think they know everything. They think they're already at top of their game. So what could I possibly learn from anybody else, right? And if they do have protégés or they have sidekicks or chiefs of staff or whoever that, that person is, they're usually just reflections of, of themselves. They're usually somebody who literally is like the ultimate yes person as opposed to someone who might. And I actually think the very best leaders surround themselves with not yes people, but people who are going to point out like, hey, that's a blind spot or, hey, there's a gap here. or Hey, did you think about it this way? Or did you think about X? Oh, my gosh, like it drives me crazy when sometimes when I have in through my career as being a leader, I have had people who disagree with me because they're they tend to be hierarchical or um, oriented because they grew up maybe in an organization or culture that was very hierarchical. I can't tell you how annoying that is to me because, you know, I actually take offense to it. If you're just going to agree with everything I say, then to me, that says, one, you don't we don't have a good relationship because you don't feel like you can be honest with me. And if there's something I'm doing that that made you feel that way, well, gosh, someone call me out, please. And two, it means, wow, you really just, you don't respect me or care about the good of the team and the broader business enough to speak up when when you see something wrong. Like see something, say something, right? 
And yes, there are definitely times where we all have been told, okay, well, this executive wants us to do this, so we got to do it. And, but I also think, have the courage just to try to influence. If something really is like, man, this is not going to sit well, this is not a good idea, what does it hurt to just say, hey, can I talk to you? Can I just point out something? And granted, the biggest narcissist in the world probably will not listen, but don't you feel better and feel more empowered and feel better about yourself at least trying instead of being fearful of said narcissist? And then it's going to be an I told you so later. And maybe you're the voice that could have, like, maybe that's the one breakthrough that could have happened if something then fell or completely, maybe, maybe not, because again, they're narcissists. So they'll just assume, oh, no, it's not my fault. I'm going to blame somebody else, right? That's usually what a narcissist says. They blame other people. But at the same time, I feel like, gosh, if you don't speak up, like, what are you getting a paycheck for? And you know that something could go awry. I would rather live with myself and have my own dignity, for sure. All right, last tip. Narcissists lack empathy, although they crave empathy from others, which I found so fascinating in reading this. Um, they are, they definitely don't care about what other people think. They just, and they think that leadership training and all that is just touchy-feely stuff, and that's for lower-level managers, but not for them, or that's for other people, not for them. They don't need that stuff. Um, but they want people to empathize with them and see, oh, you have such a hard job. You were in such a tough position. Oh, man, like, ugh, and just dote on, again, because they're narcissists, like me, 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 me. And what happens with this type of a narcissist is that they think they can predict the future because, again, they're all knowing, right? They're comparing themselves to God or whoever, but really companies and businesses and academia, everything needs leaders who do not try to anticipate the future, thinking that they know what's going to happen is so much as like creating it, right? And, and working alongside your people to do that. The other thing, I'll give you a bonus that the narcissists do is they stoke internal competition, which I know I've said before on my podcast, but it's like, to me, it's one of the most counterproductive, counterintuitive methods to achieve any sense of collaboration, teamwork, innovation, it never comes from the mind of one. Steve Jobs didn't do it alone. Even the narcissist we've talked about, Bill Gates, doesn't do it alone. Nobody is successful alone. That is so ridiculous. And it, when, you, when you think that internal competition is healthy, like it helps other people be better, no, it doesn't. It makes people paranoid. It makes people tense. It just, again, it, it makes, it creates narcissism because you're pitting people against each other and you're saying, you solo dude, go out there and you guys compete. And then the, the head of the narcissistic society, blah, 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 narcissistic society um, is like sitting back and enjoying watching his people take each other out. Like how warped is that? It's like freaking Hunger Games or something. And you're you're happy being, you know, President Snow. Gross. Gross, gross, gross. Look, narcissism really does get you nowhere. Courage and confidence with the collaboration of others will get you everywhere. That is what you have to combat narcissism with is humility. Ultimately, being a humble leader realizing nobody has all the answers. 
Nobody knows everything. It's not possible. That's why we have teams. That's why we collaborate. That's why when you're given an assignment or something as part of your job that you need to do, oh my gosh, go tap your resources. Go to the people who are experts. Don't be like, oh, I have to figure this out all by myself. And I'll just Google stuff. I'll just read. I'll just... uh, that's not helpful to anybody. Go and bring in the brains and say, hey, let's work together on this. That's where real innovation comes from. What do you think the term brainstorm comes from? Or blue sky creative, you know, exercises. Like I know Disney Imagineering does that. It's not by themselves. It's people in a room together. And how much better is that when You can all come together and have those kinds of dialogue. And yes, some of it is conflicting. Some of it will be, you know, conflicting ideas or, oh, I don't know if that's going to work or maybe that won't work and, ah, you know, all that. But that is what the friction of that is truly what breeds innovation. It's truly what gets you to the best possible product at the end. That's why narcissistic leaders do not belong anywhere. And don't let people become that. And don't become that yourself. So when you see that behavior in others that are in your charge, look out for these signs and make sure that you're you're nipping that in the bud quickly and you're coaching them and you're calling that out and saying, hey, it's not, it's not about you. It's about we. Don't use I and me. Use we. Like this is what the, it's about the greater good. It's about the organization. It's about what we're trying to accomplish as a team. And for the love of all things, if you are a leader – like a leader and again you don't have to have direct reports really check yourself and really when you start to feel those kinds of sense of overly self-worth and overabundance of importance in yourself just calm stop and go you know what there's always somebody smarter there's always somebody better and that's okay that's a good thing if you're in the head of the class you're in the wrong class that means you're not learning you're not growing you're not learning from people who went before you and who did other things. It's, it's a good thing. Courage, confidence, and humility. That's going to combat narcissism. Be that leader. Thank you for having a cup of coffee with me. For more sips and tips, connect with me on social and follow Leader Sips on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. And don't forget to visit my website, carlinholbrook.com. Until next time, keep on brewing.